Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. Today is the first Sabbath, and we have come to the house of God to worship. And we worship God through the written word, which is the Bible as we have it. And we worship God through the spoken word. We worship God through the living word. And the living word is Jesus Christ. And so as we approach this new year, there are some things that I want to talk to you about today. And so I'm going to invite you to turn with me to the book of John. First John. John. This John has written the Gospel of John. He has written first, second, and third John. And he has also written the Revelation. He was the one who was on the Isle of Patmos, separated from the ones he loved, from those who were part of his life, way out there in the Caspian Sea, he was alone, but he was not lonely, for God was with John. John knew what it is to be dedicated to God and to be separated from the world. And so he says here in John chapter, first John rather, chapter 2 and verse 15 and 17, I'll read for you. He says, love not the world. What does he say? Love not the what? Beautiful. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And verse 17. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But, and you know that this but, is the, is the hinges and the door that lets in the light. It says, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Now, as I talk with you today, I would like this message to accomplish some things. Number one, I would like us to understand how the word of God helps us to love God. Secondly, I would like to encourage you to follow Jesus Christ every day for the rest of this year. Also, I would like to use the scripture today to demonstrate how to live through the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, I am going to ask you to bow your heads as we pray. Dear God, we dare not understand your word unless the Holy Spirit illuminate our hearts, our lives, and our understanding. So I ask you know, O God, as we seek to worship you through the word, that you will minister to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Jesus calls us 
to a higher level of living. He has called us to a higher plane, a higher platform from that which the world stands on. We are called to go the distance to make things different and to become the people that God has created us to be. It is, it is an indispensable fact that from the day sin has entered this world, entered the lives of Adam and Eve, this world has always hated the good and loved the evil. It has always been so since sin has entered. The world and the church are perpetually and eternal enemies. They are darkness and light are incompatible. They don't dwell in the same place. And so, the world and the church are always in opposition. Darkness and light continually oppose each other. If we look down through the history of how God operates and how his servants operate, we see that invariably those who serve God and who love him and live their lives for him are always in opposition to the world. Because of sin, this place has become a cruel place. And for those of you who are conversant with the news, you know what happened in Fort Lauderdale Airport yesterday. And one of the things that really gripped me was, you know, every now and again, I, I travel. And my wife would come to pick me up at the airport. And can you imagine that I landed and I say, I text my wife and say, I've landed. And, uh, and she said, I'm outside waiting. And she waits and waits and waits. And then the news comes that he was one of them who was shot and killed. It must be hard for those relatives who were greeted with that sad news. So, in today's text, the Apostle John begins with a stern warning. Now, if you were, if you were traveling on the road or walking in the forest and you see a sign that says warning. What would you be looking for? That there is possible danger. Am I right? And warning means that you must be more careful. Am I right? Good. So here John begins this text with a stern warning. He says, love not the world. What does he say? Now the question is, to whom does this warning given? The Apostle John gives this warning to each member of his church. 
So the warning is to the individual member of the church and it is also to the corporate body of the church. It is to those of the household of faith. This warning is also given to the body of Christ. And I'm very happy that this warning is given. Now, what is the reason for the warning? When somebody warns you, it must be for a reason. Am I right? Now, reason number one. We are warned because the love of God and the love of the world are incompatible with one another. And they cannot exist together in the same mind. So you cannot love the world and love God supremely. This is precisely what Jesus means when he says in Matthew 6 and verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Then he says, in summary, you cannot serve both God and mammon. That's number one. Number two. This second reason why you cannot love or that you must not love the world is that the world is sinful. And therefore, its services is not in accordance to the will of God. It's number two. Number three. All that is earthly is transitory, is temporary and transient. Number four. Excessive affection for the mere things of the world is always in opposition with the love of God. Now, I want you to understand here that we have to love and love must find its expression. And the greatest way for love to find his expression is not in the things of the world. John says, love not the world, but what is the meaning of the word world? Now there are two words here that are used in the Old Testament or in the New Testament for the word world. Which one did John use? It's interesting that the first word here is the word cosmos. And uh, when somebody says that you're cosmopolitan, it means that you like to live in a certain part of the earth that is very much populated where the things things have improved to the extent that you you're absorbed by them that is the word world the cosmos it refers to the planetary bodies it refers to the solar system it refers to the plants that are in the earth, that's the cosmos. But there's another word that is used here. That is the word anthropos. From which the, you get the word anthropology from. 
which is the study of man. So which one of these words the, the apostle uses when he says that we must love not the world? Interestingly, he uses the word anthropos. So he's not saying that you mustn't love the things of nature. And he's not saying that you mustn't love your surrounding. That's not what he's saying. But he didn't use the word cosmos. He uses the word that has to do with man. So on the surface it would seem as if the apostle would say. Do not love the people in the earth. That's what it would suggest. And the outset. If you use the word for man, it seems as if he's suggesting that you must not use love the people of the world. But when we look again, we see here that no, the apostle is not saying that we should not love the things or the people of the world. The world here, the the word world here is used to mean the society or the environment or the practices of humankind that impact our lives. It means the negative lifestyle that has a tendency to lower our moral nature to shut out the thought of God to make us disbelieve in the eternal righteousness and the love of God that governs us. And so it is the practice of the world, the philosophy of the world that seeks to, to, to 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 absorb us to the extent that we believe that we are gods. That's what it means. The idea that we can get on by ourselves, through ourselves, and through what we do. That is the idea. And this is is a a diabolical uh, uh, thinking. When you believe that you can live Without God. You know. In, 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 uh, in, when you study. Uh, there are some studies. In, in the social sciences. That when you study them. For example. If you did political science. As a subject. You have to study. Capitalism. And you have to study. Communism. These two seem to be two opposing uh, theory. And there are those who, who, uh, who embrace capitalism over uh, the idea of the, the state owning everything. Or let's put it another way. When you study these things, you have to study about democracy and you also study about totalitarianism. Do you know that one of these economic theories that the Bible opposes is the theory of that is embraced by the Marxists, which is capitalism, no, communism. When you read through the New Testament, you notice that this that the the believers in the early days they sold all their property, they gave all their things that they had, and so the, the church begins to, to distribute it to the poor. You remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? 
They sold what they had and they brought it in and so it was to be distributed to those who were in need. That's a good idea. But when, when the communist government absorbed that and begins to use it, it was no more good. Because what communism does is to put man at the center of all life. And the state become the governing body of the people's lives themselves. So they, they are trapped and they can't make decisions for themselves. They can't travel to where they want to go. They can't do what they want to do freely unless the state says so. And so that is bad. And so that is one of the system that the Apostle Paul is addressing here. That we should not love the things of the world to the extent that they push us away from the things of God. And so we cannot love God and the world at the same time. It is morally incompatible. The world and the, and, and the people of God cannot be traveling in the same bus because they are not going at the same place. A divided service oh yes, is making a divided life. The world comes into your religion. And your religion comes into the world. Both are spoiled. And uh, if you have a glass of milk. That you have prepared to drink. Because you want to nourish your body. Huge glass of milk. And a small fly goes in your milk. A fly. What are you going to do with that milk? Do you skim out the fly? And then strain the milk? And then drink it? What do you do? You have to throw away the milk and then you have to get some fresh milk. Am I right? Very good. Yeah. Uh, there, 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 there's, a, there's a law that says you know, if you're eating and your food fall on the ground and you take it up within a couple seconds. But they have debunked that theory now. Alright. So here it is. That this fly drops in your milk. You have to throw it away. Now once... The custom of the world gets in your life as a child of God. It spoils your whole life. But the nice thing is that God gives us the chance to start over. Am I right? Amen. And we can start over for free. Some places, if you have to start, if you get the first one free, you can't get the second one free. But here, you can start over for free. And so... When the world gets in your life and in your religion, it spoils it. But you know, the believers in Christ are called not to be of the world. Once you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he becomes prominent and permanent in your life that you are a different person altogether. And so, the believer in Christ is no longer of the world. You don't take your cue from the world. The world does not set the standard for your principle. Because you are a child of God. And so the world comes into your religion and spoils it. But once you start over and you're on your way, then the believer in Christ is no longer of the world. We are no longer ruled by sin. 
nor are we bound by the principles of the world. In addition, we are being changed into the divine image of Jesus Christ. And this cause cause us to change interest. Our mindset becomes different. Our focus is different because we are no more governed by the principle and the standard of the world. And let me tell you today, church, you need to understand up front that the, the world cannot set your standard as a child of God. And so as you face this new year, and as you move forward, one of the things that we, I am encouraging you today is to let loose of the world. Amen. Believers in Christ are simply in the world. They are in the world physically. They are present in the world, but they are not of the world. So you cannot avoid being in the world because that's where we live. We have to be here. But we must not be of the world. Meaning the world's value. The world, the world, the things that the world loves, the, the glamour and the glitter. Oh my friend, these are not these are not the things that we get involved in. Yes. Here in John chapter 17 and verse 14 and 15. Yes. John says, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. Then in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2 it says here. I beseech you therefore brethren. By the mercies of God. That you present your bodies. A living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable to God. Which is your what? Reasonable service. And do not be conformed to what? To this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That what? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The, per the acceptable and perfect will of God is that the church, the people of God must give up the world. So... How do we live in the world and not be of the world? In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. In the Philip translation it says. Don't let the world squeeze you in its mold. What it says? Don't let the what? World what? Squeeze you in its mold. And uh, I worked I work at a block factory once when I was in school. And they had these molds that were made out of iron. And uh, with a hole inside and you have to mix the concrete and pour it inside and make the building blocks by hand. We would mix them. That was one of my jobs. As I worked in school. And. The thing that is very important. As I observe. Is that when you cast. A building block. In the iron mold. The, 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 the block. Takes the shape. Of the mold. You can't avoid that. Those of us. Who allow the world. To squeeze us in its mold. We come out. Thinking like the world, behaving like the world, dressing like the world, eating like the world, walking like the world. And we want to be recognized in the world. But I say to you today, 
Don't let the world squeeze you in its mold. That's what it says. If a man loves the world, oh yes, he gives it first place in his heart. What did I say? If a person loves the world, he gives it first place in his, in his heart, in his life. And everything else is subordinate to it. And so the world then becomes his God. And his worship is given to the world. Now, God is saying to you today that the world and its practices are transitory. They will pass away. But those who serve me, those who are loyal to me, they will live Forever. So. If you. Love is something. That springs from the heart. And the one. That you love. Gets your heart. Gets your affection. That is it. Your affection is given. To the one. That you love. If you don't believe me, ask Sister Harley. But today, I want to ask you, who has your spiritual affection? Is your heart tied to the heart of God? If that is not the case, I calls for renewal today. I calls I call for renewal because we will begin to think and to act and to do things like Jesus. Once our hearts are tied to the heart of God, what God loves, that is what we love. What is important to God, that is what is important to us. And so if God, if your heart is not set on God today, I call for renewal. So I say to you today, as this renewal is in process, do not copy the behavior or the custom of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do. And you will know how good and pleasing and perfect is that will that God has for you. So today, dear are some promising days ahead for us. Some, what kind of days? Promising. Some promising days ahead for us. Last year is gone. And in order for you to move forward, you have to forget the disappointments of last year. You have to forget the failures of last year. You even have to forget the pain and the sorrows that you have for last year. You had last year. Those things are behind you. I invite you now to do two things. One, you have to live in the present. Every day you have to live in the present. But that does not mean. That you are not going to have plans for the future. But remember now. 
that yesterday, as one man put it, he says, yesterday is a bonk's check. That's what he says. So you have to forget about the bonk's check. Somebody gave you a check and it's bonk's. You were not even able to, to get back your money. Forget about that. You have to move on. Then he says, tomorrow is a promissory note. He says, you cannot tie your life on a promissory note. Because if you tie your life on a promissory note, every day will be tomorrow. He says now, today is ready cash. And that is what I like. Don't like the bunk stack. Don't want the promissory note. But I want the ready cash. He says now, now that you have the ready cash, there are three things you need to do. How many things you need to do? Three things. Number one, you must be grateful for the ready cash. You must be what? Grateful. Forget being ungrateful and mean. But accept the blessing that you get today and be thankful for it. Amen? Amen. Know that it is ready cash and you are thankful for it. You are going to spend it wisely. You're going to do what? Spend it what? wisely. So don't squander your life. Don't live haphazardly. Make sure that you live your life with meaning and purpose. What did I say? Make, live your life with what? Meaning and purpose. Stop griping about yesterday. Don't just sit down and pin your hope on tomorrow. For today is ready cash. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. But listen to me now. Number three, you have this ready cash. Remember now that there is rainy day. Let me explain what that means. Okay, that's a proverb. Remember that is what? There's going to be what? Rainy days. As you live your life today. Remember now. Remember now. That the Bible says. That you must lay up for yourselves. Treasures where? In heaven. And treasures in heaven does not mean merely material things. You're going to lay up your treasures in heaven because what? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, the things that absorb your life and control your movement... And influence your behavior. Those are the things that you are storing up. So I call on the church today. As we look ahead. As we move forward. I want you to move forward in faith. Knowing that God will take care of you. I want the church to understand that as we move forward, we are not going alone. We are not going alone because we have Jesus Christ as our guide. So I call you today for spiritual renewal. What do I call for? Spiritual renewal. And the renewal cannot Take place unless you have a new perspective of who God is. God is a God of love. 
And all that he has made is good. God does not make anything that is not good. Anything that you have that is not good, God didn't make it. And if it is not good and God didn't make it, let's get rid of it. So there are some things now that God didn't make. Number one, God did not make selfishness. What did I say? God did not what? Make selfishness. Number two, God did not make self-centeredness. Number three, God did not make covetousness. Number four, God did not make envy our false pride. What did God make? The first principle that governed God's operation is the, is the principle of inclusion. What is that principle? The principle of what? Inclusion. So when God was making the earth, the Bible says that God steps out into space, says the poet, and he says, let us make man in our own image. Us. And us here include three beings. For the Bible says that the Spirit of God moves upon the waters. So God loves inclusion. And so he included the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three beings were active in creation. And those of us who are members of the church, we must love inclusion. And so the first thing that we're going to do, we're going to take care of each of us. We're going to take care of one another as we go in this new year. As a church, we're going to live as a family. And we're going to care for each other. Sometimes, sometimes, the way we behave sometimes as human beings and as members of the family of God, we are not living the way God wants us to live as a family. And so today, God does not want us to copy the behavior and the custom of the world. But you know, there are some things in the world that we can learn from. Some people in the world. And Jesus himself in his parable used customs of the world to teach lessons. First of all, I want you to know that the church is a community of believers. And we are social beings. It means that we exist together as a group, as a company. And I want you to express love and appreciation and understanding for each other. I want you today to understand that when you, when, if you should know what goes on in the mind of life of some people that come to your church here today, you would not be the same to them. You would not be the same to them. If you know some burdens that people carry and they come here and they dress up looking very good. And they wear even very, very expensive perfume and cologne. And there, but if you were to know the pain in their heart and the troubles and the difficulties that they face daily, you would be kind to them. 
you'll be more understanding to them. So as we go ahead in this church, we are going to be inclusive. We're going to love and appreciate each other as individuals. And so today, one of the things that we can learn from the world is that if you belong to one of these clubs, the Kiwanis Club, for example, or the Rotary Club, or if you belong to a sports club, they look out for one another, you know. They care for one another. And but the difference here is that the church is not a social club. The church is the gateway to the kingdom of God. The church is the body of Christ. And as much as we are different from the world, we ought to be loving and kind and caring and understanding. Let us not speak evil of each other. And when you meet to discuss, don't let the church members and their problem become the center of your discussion. If you are discussing them, it must be that you're having a discussion as how to help them and not to denigrate them. As we move ahead, remember that every person is at a different level as we travel to the kingdom of God. Don't expect everybody to be you and to behave like you and to look like you. Always treat us as individuals. And don't use a blanket to cover us all. Finally, as we move ahead, as we move ahead, there are some things that you have to have. Those were the things that you shouldn't have. These are the things though, that you must have. Number one, you must have a strong faith in God. Amen. Things are not going to turn out the way you want them every time. And when they go bad, you must have faith so you can go on. Number two. You must develop a great love and affinity for the things of God. Prayer, Bible study, and witness for your faith. These are the three core values of the believer. The three core values of the church. Your love for the word of God. And love for the word of God will help you to continue your love for God. Love for the word of God. Prayer. Study and witnessing for the word of God. Then, as we move ahead, don't, don't ever forget. Well, let me put it another way. 
in order for us to move ahead as a group, as a church, we must meet as a corporate body for worship. Because iron sharpened iron. Then the final thing as we move ahead is this. Let nobody, rich or poor, nobody, mother or father or children, let nobody stand in your way as you move to the kingdom of God. Not even your wife or your husband must stand in your way as you move to the kingdom of God. Be loving and kind. Be courteous. But at the same time, when it comes to God and your love for him, he is number one in your life. Make God number one. Who is going to be your number one? God. Who is going to be your number one? God. Let no one stand in your place. Let no one root you out of the church of God. I hear people say, you know, I don't go up there anymore. You know why I don't go up there? Because all of them are hypocrites. From the fact that you're saying that all of them are hypocrites, you include yourself. But hypocrite are no hypocrite. Let us remain in the church of God. Amen. Through thick or thin, let us remain in the body of Christ. Rich or poor, let us remain in the body of Christ. So, our greatest quest for the rest of this year is to make sure that nobody moves us from our place with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, brothers and sisters, friends, worshipers, the only thing to live for today is for Jesus Christ and his righteousness. The only person to live for is Jesus Christ. Do you want to live for him? Would you stand with me? I'm going to say something to you today. If you, do, if you know that you're not going to remember it, you can write it down. For the rest of this year, if you can't say good about people, don't say anything. You think you can keep it out? I want to pray for somebody today. I'm going to be praying for everybody. But if there's somebody here today, at the beginning of this year, you want God to do something special in your life for this year. A young person, an old person, an older person, a not-so-old person, a not-so-young person, wherever you are. I'm going to invite you to come down here. We're not going to even sing a song. Because I, I don't want this thing to be merely emotional. And you want to come down here and say, Preacher, pray that the Lord will help me in my life. Just all I want to pray for. For the Lord to help you in your life. Is there someone you want to come? Oh God, help me in my life. Is there a young person? You're planning something. Your future is ahead. 
You want God to help you in your life. You, you look back over last year and uh, you're not satisfied with some things. And you want to come forward today. And I trust that this step today will be one of those steps that will lead you in the kingdom of God. All I'm asking today is for you to come for me to pray for you that God will help you in your life. You can't live without it. Let us pray. Dear God, We want to thank you for blessing us since we were born. For the many good things that you have done in our lives. And Lord, you have taken us through all of last year. We have had many trials and troubles. We have lost loved ones. Lord, we have seen some, some marriages fail. We have seen some relationship forms formed. We have seen, oh God, people come to confess you as Lord and Savior. And we have also seen that the devil has entered the lives of some. But whatever it has been, oh God, we want to forget the past. And today, we want to make the best of our life. And so, Lord, there are those who have come today because they just want you to give them an extra push in life. There are those who are going to make some very serious decisions this year. Lord, these decisions are not just resolutions. These decisions will have to be made so that they can take their lives in hand through you and help you to help them to govern. So, Lord, I place them in your care today. Bless them as they live as man and wife. Bless them as they live as siblings. Bless them, O oh God, as they live and work with people in the world. Bless them, O oh God, in all their operations. There are those this year who are planning to go back to school. There are those who are, continue, who are planning to continue with school. There are those, O oh God, who want to do some new things with their life. Whatever it is today, I place it in your care. For those students, oh God, who are struggling to focus in school, to make good grade so that they can advance scholastically, I lift them up before you today. Lord, there are those members of our church who are still, still struggling in grief and sorrow. Lord, I pray for you to embrace them today. There are those, oh God, who have come to a point in their life where they are fed up and frustrated with what it is that is going on in their life today. I ask you, God, that you will take their situation and help them to make the right decision. So, Father, into your hand, I place the church today. I place every worshiper. We're so happy for this privilege to come today to worship you. Oh, God, help us to be strong in you, to be purposeful in what we do. And we pray that you will lead us. If there is someone here today, oh Lord, who is struggling with his faith in you, I ask for a transformation. If there is somebody here today, oh God, Lord, 
who wants to turn from the world and turn to you, the door is open. And I ask now that you will bring that person to faith in Jesus Christ. So now, oh God, we thank you and bless us now. Bless us for this year. Whatever we'll put our hands to, we pray that you will make it prosperous and meaningful. Improve those things that we do and help us, oh God, to be victors and not victims. Help us, oh God, to be winners and not losers. Help us, oh God, to be prosperous and not retarded. Bless us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at saviinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting saviinggracesda.org.